Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So I'm preaching the fiery furnace. And, uh, and uh, no, actually, you ever played golf in extreme heat and I was wet the towel and put it over your neck and you're done? So I asked, uh, I asked uh, Zach to get me towel for my neck, so I'm going to be doing that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I did bring some, some towels in case I get T.D. Jakes up in here. We can start We can start, start taking care of business. I'm excited to preach this word. And, uh, okay, my teleprompter up there says, lead pastor, Pastor Jurgen. I was like, I'm going to have to start working on my accent, okay? Uh, I cannot. I have one accent. Every accent I attempt turns into one accent. So, like, that's like a funnel. It just, I can't stay in a lane of an accent. I know we already shouted Tiger and Melissa, but I just love you guys. And it was so fun watching the live stream event of the year. Uh, as you uh, proposed, it was just such a beautiful, fun setup. And thanks for coming down to the furnace down here and hanging out with us. Um, truly, I, I love you guys. I love what God has done, what God has brought together. And, uh, and I can't wait for the wedding day. I can't wait for the party, the celebration of the century. And it's good to have your dad here, Raul. Good to have you with us here. Melissa's dad, good to have you here. Thanks for coming down. And uncle, sorry, I forgot your first name, but uncle's here as well. So the whole clan, I think there's a wedding in, in, uh, in the area, so it's so fun to kind of right after the engagement to be able to have everybody down here. Not your wedding, not your wedding. We got no invite? Jeez. Wow, I thought we were closer. I thought we were closer. But, uh, okay, can we get some ice? Just pass it around. Let's just pass it around. This is going to be good. All right, let me, let me jump right into the word. John chapter 6. Um, hey, can I have those little invites? Or are they up here? Did I? Oh, you already took them. That's all right. Um, uh, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to grab onto some of these on the way out. The ushers will have these. They're invitation cards just to church and to service with a little details on it. And you'll, you'll kind of see why. I want to talk about the good news. Someone say good news. I'm talking about the gospel. I want to talk about what God has given us, what this whole word of God leads to is the good news. Someone say good news. So John 6, uh, verse 68 is what I'm going to jump into, but a few verses uh, just before that, uh, Jesus is preaching, and he starts preaching a little confrontational and a little bit hard for them to get. So in verse, actually earlier in verse 60, it says, on hearing it, many uh, of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? So a bunch of the disciples start leaving. They're like, we're out. This, this was fun until you start getting in my driveway. You know what I mean? Until you start getting in my business or start saying things are a little bit difficult for me to grab onto. And a bunch of the disciples go, ah, you know, let's move on to the next, you know, uh, motivational seminar. See if we can find some better self-help tips that we feel better aligned with. And, and then Jesus looks at his 12 and goes in verse 68. He said, or verse 67, he says, are you going to leave me too? Are you guys out? Are you going? Are you done? 
Are you through? And then it says this, Peter, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Some translation, translations will say you alone, right? Like you have exclusive rights, Jesus. You are the sole source of life. Where else would we go? What other message do we need to hear? Man, sometimes maybe it's difficult, but nothing else is going to give me life. Nothing else is going to give me truth. Nothing else. You have the source of life. Your words are eternal. Your words are unique. You have literally the corner on this, right? And so they, they understand that this message, this good news that Jesus was bringing was so unique and so specific why would they go anywhere else, right? You know, there's a lot of great leadership courses or seminars or get, you know, get rich quick or, you know, self-help type of scenarios. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't have the words of eternal life in it, if it doesn't have God's word connected to it, then, then it's dead in the water. It has limited ability to save, to heal, to transform. Uh, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is kind of making his big announcement onto the scene of who he is and kind of revealing something about himself that he had not yet really said, it says this in verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And he's, he's quoting from Isaiah. But he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Someone say good news. Says good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prison for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Man, that sounds like some good news if you ask me. I'm not going to preach this, but he's talking about salvation, recovery, freedom, and favor. Man, that's that's a whole series, okay? But he's saying, man, I got I have been anointed to bring good news. I've been anointed to bring something that's going to change things, something nobody's seen before, something that's going to transform, something that is going to be powerful and begin to work in our lives, begin to transform your life. And Jesus comes in and he says, man, I've got, I've got good news. And, you know, uh, we, we got another Israel trip uh, coming up next year, which I'm really, really excited about. I hope you guys are any, any and all of you that you can make it, I hope you uh, try to jump on this next trip. But the uh, years back when I went there, I've only been, been once. I'm looking forward to uh, getting back there. But when I went before, one of, there were so many really fun and unique experiences. But one of my favorite moments where I was like in awe of the gospel, in awe of the good news, was we were pulling up to Capernaum. Capernaum is a city where Peter lived. It's a city where Jesus did a lot of ministry. It's right on the, the edge of the Sea of Galilee. They still have the, the, the leftover ruins of Peter's house. I could see where they picked that plot of land. It literally is right on the water. It's unbelievable. And, and so we're there, and as you enter on kind of like this kind of stone wall, it says the city of Jesus, Capernaum. And uh, it was powerful. It was amazing. But what was really special to me was that as we pulled up in our big, you know, tour buses and we jump off, we're all getting out and chatting, getting ready to head into the city. Then, you know, all these other tour bus buses are coming too. All these other different groups coming from different places. And what was so fun to me is all of a sudden groups from places that 
spoke other languages that we couldn't understand, right? And it was all kinds of different languages, all kinds of different people groups, all kinds of different scenarios, and we're all descending on the same city to come and engage the same Christ, right? But I can't really talk to them, but we're here for the same person. We're here for the same Savior. And I thought to myself, wow, this gospel really has gone into all the world, right? It is not just something in my world or in my space, but from every corner, every continent, every nation, every tribe has engaged and encountered. And I just thought, wow, this is, not, this is no joke. This is true. These are the words of life. And you and me, as we are living in our cities that, that God has called us, as we're here in the north region of San Diego, as we're in Carlsbad and Encinitas and Bressy Ranch and this community, God has given us a mandate to bring good news, right? You, you and me are carriers. We're conduits of the good news of Jesus Christ. Good news right now is air conditioning at wherever we're going to eat afterward. Come on, somebody. Somebody give me some good news, right? But I want to talk a little bit about what this good news is. And I've, I've tried to channel the spirit of Pastor Jurgen, and so I have seven points, and I'm going to try to get through them all. Don't worry, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I believe. Come on, can I get a believer out there? Come on, somebody. It's really, it's more like seven observations on the gospel, on who he is, on what it is. So first of all, the gospel is truth. Someone say truth. It's truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them. This is Jesus now praying it's during the, the last seasons of his ministry on earth, and he's praying over the, the disciples. Sanctify them by the truth. And he says, your word is truth. Right? God's word is truth. The gospel that we get to preach brings truth. And I talk about this all the time because I love leaning into that topic of truth. But truth is like a flashlight, so the gospel brings clarity. Wherever we can bring the good news about Jesus, we can help bring clarity to a confused world. We can bring uh, the, the truth of God illuminates and helps to detangle the mess of the culture that we live in, right? It feels like so many people are uncertain. What's up? What's down? What's left? What's right? What's good? What's evil? Right? And there's so much uncertainty about it because there is a removal of the gospel. Pastor, you're going to talk about in the first service how when we remove the Bible from schools and we remove prayer from schools, all of a sudden we wonder why there's so much chaos and dysfunction and confusion in our young people and in this next generation because we've removed truth. We've removed the, the light of God from those atmospheres, and no wonder there's chaos. And so in our lives, come on, if we can bring the gospel to a hurting world, if we can bring the, the truth about Jesus to the world that's around us, never question, man, you know, should I say anything? Should I tell people about Jesus? Should I invite people to church? And what if their belief is different than my belief? The truth is that the gospel is the only truth. The gospel is the light that they need. We've got to bring that. we got to bring that, amen? All right, the gospel is truth, but the gospel is also power, or it's powerful. The gospel is powerful. Romans 1.16, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. 
Man, you know, one of the, kind of the mottos at Awake, that we are fresh, real, and powerful, right? That's always going to be our goal. It's always going to be our passion. It's always going to be our heart, man. We want to keep reaching the city. We want to keep helping people encounter the power of the gospel. One of the saddest things is when people extract the power from the gospel and all the miracles they take out and all the trusting of God to do the supernatural they want to remove from it because maybe they don't always understand every element of it. So they're going to kind of try to sanitize the gospel in a way that it's just a nice self-help message rather than, no, this is the power that transforms. This is the truth that, that people encounter. One of the things that Pastor Katie and I here at Breast Ranch, every week our heart is going to be to help you encounter the power of God. I, I never want a Sunday to go by. We never want a Wednesday to go by where there isn't a moment, where there is an opportunity to encounter the presence of God, the power of God, the strength of God. Because that, that, that gospel getting to us, that good news about Jesus getting to us, it is the only thing powerful enough to transform our life. It is the thing that can help you overcome. It is the thing that helps you get through your past, get over your baggage, find victory, even though maybe your, your family story might have all kinds of stuff in it. The gospel is the power. So I can't withhold the power from people. Man, when you got friends you're talking about, man, they're depressed, this, and they got this going on, and, you know, they, they're, they feel hopeless, they have no clue. that. Come on, are we giving them the power or not? Are we giving them the only real thing that has the ability to get victory in their life over those things that they're facing? It is Jesus. It is the hope in the gospel. And if we don't do that, right, if we don't bring that to the table, then we can go, oh, well, you know, have you tried this? And, and hey, have you just thought about, you know, thinking better thoughts? Have you thought, and there can be all kinds of great things that we can help people with all kinds of great methods or strategies or thinking different or removing toxicity from your life or your body. And there's all kinds of great ideas in the natural. But if all we ever do is give people just the next self-help idea and not say, hey, you know what? Have you heard about Jesus? Because he's the power. He's the hope. He's the way. He's the truth, right? That's what people need. Now, they might Heisman you, they might stiff arm the gospel because they got preconceived notions and don't want to hear it and don't want whatever. But come on, let's be the people who bring it. I never want to withhold the power that people need. Amen? Here's another thing that the gospel is. The gospel is attractive. The gospel is attractive. You know, I think a lot of times people, um, you know, sometimes Christians can be weird, but the gospel is always attractive, you know, Okay? <laughs> Never, ne never, never put God in some sort of like, well, God, you know, he might scare people. We don't do the Holy Spirit, that might scare people away. Like that is, if we really stop to think about it, if people get nervous about all the, 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 the supernatural elements of our relationship with God, you know, in church circles, pastors can be really cautious and apprehensive about what they do or don't do in the church service on Sunday. It's like, well, we don't want to get too crazy, a.k.a. we don't want to show off the power of God too much because it might get people weirded out. Well, that's like the weirdest thing to tell God, because he can hear you, to tell God, hey, if you could just not be your full self, like, that'd be super great because, like, I mean, you're cool and we love you once we got to know you, you know what I'm saying, but you're a little weird to the new people, so... So if you could just kind of stay in the kitchen, we'll warm up the crowd, and then we'll tell you when you can come out. Like, how insulting is that to God? 
The gospel is attractive. But also the gospel outworked in you is really attractive. Right? It's one of the most important things. Titus 2.10, uh, he's talking, he's giving all kinds of instruction, but he says, you're talking about like working with your boss or your, your masters. Do not steal from them, but show that they can be, uh, like a servant can be fully trusted so that in every way they may make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate That's also the first time I had anyone yell that out to me from the audience. I appreciate that. Dominic. Dominic. <laughs> um, so when, when our lives apply the gospel, it's attractive. People want more of that. They, they don't always understand it. So it'll be like in the Old Testament when God said, you know, God's helping Moses deliver the uh, children of Israel, and he's he's angry and agitated by the unbelief of the people. He says, "Yeah, forget it, Moses. You go with the people." And Moses is like, "Hey, uh, no. Uh, if you don't go, I'm not going. Because how else will they be able to distinguish, right? Like us from other nations if you're not with us, right? And then also the prosperity that God." brought in the nation of Israel was also a sign and a testament to the neighboring, you know, the health. They were healthier physically. There was prosperity in the nation of Israel. And it was a sign and attractive to the world around. Go, man, what is up with Israel's God? There's something different about what's going on over there. And it should be the same thing with us. It should be like, man, you got to hire more Christians. Like if, if you would want an unsaved business uh, owner and your boss to be like, man, you are such an attractive person. Like, how do I get, where can I find more of you? Oh, hey, I got a whole crew from at my church. You know what I mean? Because that, that should be how it is. You should be the greatest person to work for. If, if you're a believer and you got staff, team, employees, man, I hope, start for myself. I want to be a great person to work for. And, and, and he might be like, well, I hope so. You're a pastor. But it's like, but. But just because you carry whatever role in your in your dealings with people, you can have a, a certain way to interact with people. And I gotta allow the gospel to impact how I interact with people. I gotta have the gospel impact uh, me as a leader, not just you know some role I carry, but me as a person, me as a leader. How is it affecting me? And can people see that? But everything in your life, people should be like, man, I just like being friends with that person. Why? Because the gospel is outworking in your life in such a way that it is attractive. Amen. It's hot. It is hot. And I'm not talking about my preaching. I'm just talking. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, you, can you guys just feel the heat of the presence of God in here? It is just, just thick. I mean, man. If you guys could just maybe tweet a little bit about that later on, that'd be great. Just be like, wow. It just felt like the fire of God just consumed Bressy Ranch campus. I mean, it was just power. I mean, just, it fell. It fell on the sacrifice. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, the gospel is fulfilling. The gospel is fulfilling. David, um, I love how King David talks about God, his relationship with God, the word of God. He said one time, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a fulfilling element to it. Psalm 105, verse 40, they asked and he brought them quail. He fed them with the bread of heaven. God is always satisfying us with his presence. 
The gospel is the satisfier of people. It is the answer. It is the hope. It is the realization of what our soul longs for, right? And so we, we got to be reminded, sometimes it's so easy just to get in modes of life and just kind of go through the motions that we can forget that if there's anybody in our world, and I've got people in my world too, that don't know Jesus, their life is not fulfilled. It's not full. It's not satisfied. There, there's, there's a longing in there that they're not going to, they won't, they don't have an answer for. They don't have a fulfilling reality for that in their, in their own heart, in their own life. And, and while we can't force somebody to accept the message, I want to keep these some of these warnings in here. I want God to go, you know what, I, I think if you listen, you listen to more than two voices. That's Because that, that's, like, oh, you think it, you need these people to love you. Or you need that, you know, situation to be better financially. Or you need this doctor to be not, not, not as much. Those are great things, but what you need is Jesus. You, you, need, you need that part of you fulfilled. And so when we bring people to Jesus, whether that's bringing Jesus and, and leading someone to Christ outside these walls or inside of these walls, we get a chance to help them find their true meaning, true fulfillment. Amen? Amen. Here's another thing that the gospel is. The gospel is exciting or it's adventurous. See, Jesus is constantly calling us out of comfort, <laughs> out of comfort zones, out of comfort zones and into adventures, calling us away from what's normal, away from what's comfortable. Uh, Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. That's going to require some going. That's going to require some getting out of your airspace. It's going to require some stepping out in faith. And God oftentimes calls us to expand maybe in business or expand relationally or expand in different areas. And, and there, there's going to be an adventure attached to a relationship with Jesus that isn't going to just kind of go through the motion, just kind of, you know, uh, just sort of sitting in kind of an average life. When you follow Jesus, he's often going to call you out and into something full of faith, full of adventure, full of truth, Right? And oftentimes full of risk, right? And fun. Yeah, risk is fun for some of us. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy that. I mean, that white-knuckling of life sometimes, right? And just trusting God. Uh, here's another thing that the gospel is. It is mysterious. It's mysterious. You're never going to be able to fully figure out God. I mean, he has given us a lot of who he is and his character and his nature. But as soon as you think you've got God completely pegged and completely figured out and completely in your little box and completely all sanitized, guess what? He's bigger than that. He's beyond that. There, there's, there's so much to, that we can be confident in, trust in, be reliable in the truth of God's word. But there's going to be some times where God calls you into trust that is beyond everything you can figure out. There's going to be mysterious levels to it, mystery within the gospel that Paul talks about that we're just going to have to trust God sometimes. We're going to have to just go with it. I mean, the fact that God, you know, his son 
died on the cross, paid for all of our sin, past, present, and future for eternity. There's some mystery in that. There's some power in that. There's some unbelievable nature of that, that his blood makes us white as snow. The red blood of Jesus is the only thing that purifies us, right? There's mystery in that. There's power in that. There's something unbelievable in that, but you and me are called to step into it. But you can be confident. I'm not saying you trust Jesus in some sort of like, well, I know all the science and all the, you know, evidence and all of the archaeology and all that, you know, uh, history is against the Bible, but you just got to believe it. Actually, the the opposite's true. Um, There's a great book called Is Atheism Dead that Eric Metaxas just released, and (laughs) I am, I'm listening through that, and there, it, it leaves, it leaves no doubt that there is beyond question no possible way for our world and us to be an accident. There, there is intention. Literally, he, he, he describes, anyone read the book or listened to it, or maybe you've listened to stuff like it. Um, it describes, it describes how uh, it, this argument is called the fine-tuning argument. It basically clarifies that there's just no way we exist by accident. There's no possible way. Right, And science in the last 50 to 70 years has really accelerated because there were some claims made in the late 40s and 50s because we didn't have the scientific technology to understand the cell and some of the unique nuances of life. We made a bunch of blanket statements in the science community. Everyone just accepted that it's true, and people just kind of moved on with life. But the more science has developed, the more unbelievably impossible it is for for, – cells to form on their own <laughs> out of nothing, uh, it's, it's impossible, right? There, there had to be a start. There had to be a starter. There had to be a creator. Now, whether or not you want to believe that God of the Bible is the one who started it, that's a, that's a different faith journey that somebody might have to walk in. But the Bible, there's not one archaeological dig ever that has ever contradicted what the Bible claims. Never. I mean, that's shocking. You're like, are you serious? There's got to be something that some writer, somewhere along the way, made up a city, made up a people group, lied about something. There's not one. There's not one. There's not one. The Bible is unbelievably accurate. Through years and years, one of the biggest lies that people believed for a while was, well, you know, scribes, they changed it along the way. That was one of the big lies to get you to believe that you can't trust the Bible. Well, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, you remember hearing about that or, or have you heard about that? That confirmed that no meaning, no, other than like you know, maybe a, a spelling here or there, very, very minor adjustments had ever been made in the manuscripts back dating you know, thousands of years before our earliest copies had been. So it's unbelievable how uh, well kept, it's almost like God was involved uh, in the mystery it's mystery. It's it's a mystery how amazing. It's a mystery how God loves it. It's a mystery how He invites us into His family. It's a mystery how His His blood heals and cleanses and frees us and set us free. Uh, but it, I don't have to believe God uh, without my brain attached. You know what I'm saying? God's truth stands alone, and it stands forever. Um, amen. Um, God's the the gospel is complete. I'm gonna have the band come up here. Let's give the people some hope. 
the misters on? Can we get those going? Feeling like we're on Palm Desert up in here. Come on, somebody. Misters and the Mai Tais, let's get it going. Just kidding. For the recording, just kidding. Hey, guys, calm down. Some people got too excited. Um, okay, so it is complete. The gospel is complete. Second Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything. Someone say everything. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have everything we need in the gospel. We have the fullness of what God has given us in the gospel. We don't need God plus. We don't need the Bible plus. We don't, you know, we don't need all of that. E- even the book, sometimes I, I say that and go, and I have a book called Following Jesus that I give you with the Bible. Uh, let me clarify that. That book is packed with Bible verses. And it's literally only designed because I know there are a lot of people spiritual background upbringing and the Bible and is scared and get overwhelmed by it and so this is just like it's like the on-ramp to the freeway <laughs> right because I want to help I want to help somebody um, get the basics get the understanding of it but we don't need extra opinions that's why even like and I, I study all kinds of different maybe theologians or different things perspectives ideologies but I don't claim you know, someone says well I'm, I'm more of a Calvinist, or I'm more of this. It's like, I, I follow Jesus, so um, so I just, you know, I'm, come on, amen, Ryan. <laughs> He's really excited I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, uh, but no, the, the concept is, I don't need to label myself with any other human's interpretation, like as a main theology. We're all going to be impacted by different people we learn from and glean from, but I'm going to go to God's word. Because it is complete. It is in total. It is the full answer to what we need in life. God has given us everything. He has provided it all. Amen. And last thing is that the gospel is the answer. It is the answer. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's it. He's the hope. He's the way. He's the answer. You know, sometimes it might seem overly simplistic, and I know that you have to work out the gospel. But the, the pain in our world right now, the answer is we need Jesus. Right? Like, we need Jesus. It's simple. It's actually not that complicated. We need the gospel in every corner of this earth. That's what our world needs. That's the hope that they need. That's the truth that they need. That's the life that they need. That's the answer that they need. Everything that this world is searching for and going after all the painful kind of fillers, the answer is in Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's he's the hope, right? So for us, dusters on the way out, we're going to have a bunch of these. If you want to grab a stack, if you didn't know we have them, they're just really simple little invite cards. Keep them with you. Keep them close. Let's be the invitation this week. Let's be the answer this week. You know that you, you are the answer. You're, you're the response of heaven to this earth. And 
and people out there in our grocery store lines or in our coffee lines or in our, you know, whatever environments, uh, in our neighborhoods, they need hope. They need answers. They need truth. They're looking for it. They're looking for it. Let's be, let's keep being the ones who bring the gospel to people. Let's keep being the ones who bring truth to people. Let's keep being the ones who are going to bring the answer. And not not sit there. I, I just, I don't want to sit with the answer and not say something. I don't want to have the hope to a hopeless world and not say something. I, I don't want to have the peace that our world needs and not bring it, right? Let's be a church. Let's be believers. Let's be followers of Jesus that go, man, I have been transformed by the gospel. It has saved me. It has freed me. It has restored me. It has done so much in my life. And so as a response, I am going to reach out. I'm going to extend this good news. Just like Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to preach the good news. That's what is on us here today. The same spirit is on you and me to preach good news. What is the, the, one of the main things that Jesus said? Hey, when, when, when I go, then I'm going to send the spirit. But in Acts chapter 1-8, it says, when the, um, when, when the spirit comes on you, you will receive power to be my witness, right? So you and me are going to be people who bring the gospel. We are witnesses of the good news of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's just lift up our hands uh, towards heaven and just ask the Holy Spirit to give us power, to give us boldness, to give us the words to say, to give us the hope that our world needs. God, I pray that we would have the right words to say to our neighbors and friends and coworkers, the right things to, to, to say, to invite people to church or to invite people to hear more about you, Jesus. God, I pray that you give each and every one of us a boldness, a courage, a strength. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to be your witness? God, I pray we'd be good witnesses this week, this month, this lifetime. (laughs) God, let us be good witnesses of your name. Let us be witnesses of your transformation, of your power, of your truth, of your great mystery. This mystery of the gospel is that through Jesus... Our sins are forgiven and we're brought close to him again. Amen. Amen. With everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, I just want to ask this question before we head out. Talking about the gospel transforming our lives. And maybe there's one, maybe there's a few, maybe there's a dozen in here. If you've not yet responded to Jesus, this good news about salvation, that even though your sins separated you from God, the good news is you don't have to stay separate because he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay that debt of our sin. And because he paid it, if we receive Jesus as who he said he is, as Lord, as Savior, then he will forgive all of our sin. He will bring us close to him again. So the count of three, you say, Samuel, I, I need you to pray with me. I, I know this is for me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I, I need to receive this good news, this gospel that, that will transform my life. I don't want to be away from God. I want to be close to Him. If that's you, the count of three, I just want you to boldly lift up your hand. I'm going to pray with you. It's a simple but powerful prayer for getting your life right with God this morning. One, two, 
three. If that's you, just go lift up your hands. We know we're praying for you. If you're good, anybody else, just say, that's me. Lift up nice and high so I can see you over there. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. So good. Here's what we're going to do, church. Everyone pray this prayer after me. Especially those who just lift up your hand or maybe you're about to. I want you to pray with boldness. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to turn from my sin and follow Jesus with all my heart for the rest of my life. Jesus, baptize me with your Holy Spirit to live for you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.